Our scripture reading this afternoon comes to us from Deuteronomy chapter 7, as well as 1 Peter chapter 2. Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, the verses 1 through 11 first. Peter speaks about a chosen people, and we see that also here in Deuteronomy chapter 7, where the Lord speaks to his nation Israel as a chosen people. Beginning then in verse 1 of chapter 7 of Deuteronomy. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess, and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them. Nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughters to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. And we saw that this morning with Ataliah uh, marrying Jehoram. But thus you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you, and because you would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Therefore know that the Lord, your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. And therefore you shall keep the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which I command you to, today to observe them. As far as the reading in Deuteronomy, turn with me now to First Peter chapter 2. And we will only read the verses of our text there. First Peter chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10. And this will be the text for this evening's sermon. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. This is far the reading of God's word. Dear congregation, God sees his people, he calls them his own special people. What does that mean to be God's own special people? 
And what is the purpose of being called and chosen as God's special people? Now, you want to see something of that this evening. <clears throat> I've entitled this sermon, Praising Christians. And maybe it's better to say, you must be a praising Christian. We're not praising Christians, but we are to be Christians who praise God, to proclaim the praises of the one who called you, is what Peter says. And if you look at what Moses says, we could turn quickly to Deuteronomy 4. And Moses, from verse 32 on, and Moses asked the people, he says, has anything ever been done in history like this? Have you ever seen something like this? And he says in verse 32, For ask now concerning the days that are past, which were before you since the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other whether any great thing like this has happened or anything like it has been heard. And did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and live? Or did God ever try and to go and to take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation by trials and signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, by great terrors according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? Has it ever been known in history that the Lord has done this? You can't think of any, but Moses says in verse 35, to you it was shown. To you, Israel, it was shown. And why? Why did God show it? He continues and he says in verse 35, that you might know that the Lord himself is God and there is none other beside him. God revealed himself in such powerful ways to Israel to deliver them from, from, from Egypt, to show them who is the one and only true God. And then what was God's purpose for revealing himself to them as the only one and true God? Well, it's so that he can instruct his people in his perfect way, in his truth. Because he continues there in Deuteronomy 4, verse 36, and he says, Out of heaven he let you hear his voice, that he might instruct you. And on earth he showed you great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. That's referring to Mount Sinai, where he was giving his moral law where he was showing the people the, the law of God, the way that he had created his people to live. And that's what he saves his people to, is to, be, to return to that perfect law. And why has God done this for Israel instead of any other nation? Only because he set his love on them. Verse 37, it says, Because he loved your fathers. Therefore he chose their descendants after them. He brought them out of Egypt with his presence and his with mighty power, driving out from before you the nations greater and mightier than you, and to bring you in, to give them the land as an inheritance this day. And what does the Lord then expect of his people? How, how is Israel supposed to respond? How does the Lord want his people whom he has set his love on to respond? Well, Moses says, First of all, in verse 39, Know this day, consider in your heart, that the Lord himself is God in heaven above, and on earth beneath there is no other, to know that there is but only one God, and that is to keep them from any sort of idolatry at all. And the second, the reason, the purpose for that is to serve him. He says in verse 40, You shall therefore keep his statutes 
and His commandments, His law that He gave on Mount Sinai. You, you can see the logic here that Moses is, is giving to the people of Israel. He says, God has showed you His grace and His love. He has chosen you from among all the people of the world, and He has shown you His law. Is it then not our duty, our responsibility to, to show Him uh, that service and to place our trust in Him as the only God and to follow His Word and His instruction, to walk in obedience to Him? And then here in, in 1 Peter, Peter is now addressing the Christians in the New Testament as God's own special people, just as Moses was talking there to Israel in the wilderness. And then the reality of being God's chosen people is such a tremendous privilege to be saved out of the world for no reason other than that God has set His love on His people and then one day to be glorified with Him and to live with God forever. But this privilege now also comes with a great responsibility, doesn't it? And these verses that Peter has in, in 1, Peter, verse 9 and, uh, 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10, show us not only the great blessings, but also calls us to that duty of Christians. And we can see the context in which Peter writes this. From the sermon we heard last week, uh, we can see the contrast there in verse 9 uh, between, and, and verse 8. In verse 9 he says, But you... But you, meaning he's referring to something in contrast to what came before. In verse, in verse 8, he talked about the people who, who, who disobeyed God. But when he's talking to Israel, he was talking about the nations that he destroyed in front of, before Israel. He destroyed Egypt. He destroyed the seven nations, much stronger than Israel as he drove them out of the land. And why did he destroy them? Because their wickedness has reached up to heaven. Because they served idols. Because they did not know the one and true God. And so Peter here is drawing out the difference between the disobedient and the obedient children of God. Between the obedient, uh, sorry, between the unbelieving world who reject Christ and the believing children of God who believe in Christ. And so this is where Peter moves into verse 9. Now he says, but you, and he emphasizes the believers here, here personally, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Because it makes you ask why, in, in, verse, in verse 8, it says they were appointed to stumble, to reject Christ, to turn away from Christ. And who makes us any difference than those people who have turned away from Christ? It is only God's electing and sovereign love. And who can fathom that wonder that God has chosen a people from out of this world to turn to Himself, to make His own? But just like Moses said in Deuteronomy 4 and 7, as we read, it comes with a responsibility. And at the end of verse 9, he says, So that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so you are to be a praising Christian, a Christian who proclaims the praises of the living God. And we can see the points that Peter gives here. You could say they're, they're the motivations, the understanding of why we are to praise God. And here he gives these glorious descriptions of, what, of how God views His people. 
how do you think God views you today? If, if you were to write down, if someone would ask you and say, write down what you think God, uh, would, how God would describe you, what he would think of you. And then compare that to what Peter says. He says, in all these descriptions here, they're, they're focused on the corporate people of God. They're, they're, they're not personal individuals so much, even though the, the church always is made up of individuals, but God views His church through Jesus Christ, the, the, the chief cornerstone, and He views His people in Christ as precious, and that's how He views them here. And so first He says in verse 9, but you are a chosen generation. Did you write that down? Israel was chosen by God as a nation, a race of people to be His own. One nation out of the whole world. He delivered them from slavery in Egypt. He formed them into the nation of Israel in the wilderness. He gave them a land to inherit in Canaan. He gave them His law to govern them, His moral law to follow. And now in the New Testament, that chosen generation is now the church of God, a church made up of both Jews and Gentiles. And just like Christ was chosen, elect, and precious, verse 4 of the same chapter, all God's people are chosen in Christ. 1 Peter 1 verse 1 says, Elect, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now think back to Abraham where God made His promise, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. There are only a few a number, a few people. And no one worthy of themselves to be chosen by God because Abraham himself lived in a country that served idols. But God took Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldees, out of idol worship to follow the living God. And then his children moved to Egypt later during the famine and became slaves. But God set his love upon them and he delivered them by his power and by miracles. And that is a picture of what so happens today. Sinners, enslaved to sin. But God takes them from the depths of sin and misery. And there's no reason found in ourselves. Because time and time again, we, 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 we tarnish it for ourselves. And we would think we only heap reason upon reason that God would now finally reject us. But it's only because of God's free and sovereign grace. As He reveals Himself to us in His Word and by His Spirit, and by His Spirit, He turns our hearts from darkness to His marvelous light, delivering us from the power of, its, of that sin, from that slavery, and leading us to repentance. A chosen generation now is a family of God. Every member shares in that love of God. Every member can look unto God as His Father in Christ. A chosen generation belonging to God. He says, you are a chosen generation. And here in these churches, it's even an outward covenant membership and blessing. Because all Israel heard the word of the, of the law and of grace. Every Israelite was delivered from Egypt. They were all brought under the law to lead them to Christ. They all traveled through the wilderness. They all ate from that bread and drank from that water, which the New Testament it says is that spiritual rock of Christ. But then we see that not all of them entered the promised land of Canaan. They never entered in because of unbelief. And even here today, many receive and taste the outward blessings of God's covenant mercies. 
And so it needs to become a personal matter for us. Personal faith and repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ. To know that we also belong to that true chosen generation by the saving work of Jesus Christ. But here Peter says, God's people chosen. And if you know Christ today, You may ask yourself time and again, why has God chosen us to be part of that race? Well, Isaiah 43, 21 says, This people I have formed for myself so that they they shall declare my praise. And that's what what Peter says here in verse 9, so that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Chosen to praise. But then he calls you, secondly, a royal priesthood. Within this chosen generation, you have been raised up to become prophet or a priest and kings. Exodus 19, verse 6 says, You shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Here he calls them royal priests, belonging to God's kingdom. Revelation 1, verse 6 says, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Christ was the one chosen to be priest forever. He served God his Father perfectly with his holy life. He offered up the one sacrifice for sin on the cross, whereby he secured salvation for all his people. And so God takes sinners from being slaves and makes them a royal priest from serving sin to serving the living God. Verse 5 of chapter 2 said, You are a royal priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, through, to God through Jesus Christ. And Romans 12 says, Presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is our reasonable servant are starting to see the duty of the Christian. God makes you a royal priesthood, and He anoints you with His Holy Spirit. Why? So that you may proclaim the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous lights. He calls you, thirdly, a holy nation. A holy nation. Holy means set apart set apart for the service of God, a chosen race, set apart because you belong to God's eternal kingdom, separate from the world, a holy nation called out of the world, called out of slavery and oppression of sin in a sin-cursed world, to become a nation with citizens who are given God's rule and law to govern them for the welfare of their society. That's why laws are given, for the welfare of society. God gives His moral law to His people. Isaiah 62, verse 12 says, They shall call them the holy people, redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called, sought out, a city not forsaken. Isaiah says they will be called, sought out. That means other people will desire and seek to become part of that nation because they see how God blesses them and delivers them from sin. They are the sought-out ones. 
Israel was called to be a holy nation, a nation set apart for the rest of the world to see that they belong to God. And you are set apart as a holy nation so the world can see that you belong to God. So that the world can see what it means to be delivered from sin. And that's why we also must live separate from sin. Because how does it tarnish not only our own reputation, but the reputation of the church of Christ when we are tempted and fallen into sin? Be ye separate. Come out from among them and be ye separate. And he says, you are to be the reason why others will seek for God's salvation. You are called to be the holy nation, a people separated specifically to proclaim the praises of God so that others will see and seek for the living God. Is that what's happening in your life? Are other people seeking God because what they see in your life, what they hear from your mouth? Deuteronomy 7, verse 6 God shows how Israel was to be a holy nation governed by His laws. He reminded them to keep them carefully. He said, do not serve the idols, do not intermarry with unbelievers. Why? Because they are to be separate. Verse 6 says, you are to be a holy people to the Lord. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for Himself, a special treasure above all the people on the face of the earth. Then he goes on, he says, not because you are better. No. The Lord did not set His love on you or choose you because you were better. Not because you were more in number, for you were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you, and because He kept His oath which He swore to your fathers, that should make us realize that we belong to the living God only because He because of his work, because of Christ. And then he says in verse 9 of Deuteronomy 7, Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God. Same things he said in, in Deuteronomy 4. He's emphasizing this again, that you may know that there is but one God. A God who keeps covenant mercy. A God who blesses those who love him. A God who repays and those who hate him. And then he sums it up in verse 11. Therefore, you shall keep his commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which I commanded you today to observe them. Because you are his chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy separated nation, he, and he loved you with an eternal love, therefore you must proclaim his praises, the praises of God, and then he goes further in Peter and he says, you are his own special people. He says, you are a people belonging to God. A people on whom God has set his love. A people whom God claims for his own. Malachi 3 verse 17 says, they shall be mine, says the Lord, on the day that I make them my jewels. And who are we that God should favor us and set His love upon us and make us His own. There is nothing special about the children of Israel compared to anyone else in the world. 
And there certainly is nothing more special about any one of us whom the Lord would choose and call. Peter even says there in verse 10, who once were not a people. Who once were not a people. That's where the Lord finds every one of us. Who once were not a people, but now are the people of God. What is he referring to here? He's alluding to the prophecy of Hosea. And notice how he assumes that the people are so familiar with the Old Testament Scriptures that he can just insert it here. The Lord addresses the prophet Hosea when his wife Gomer gave birth to her second son. God says in Hosea 1 verse 9, Call his name Lo-Ami, for you are not my people. That's what that word means, Lo-Ami, not my people. And I will not be your God. Why? Gomer lived a life of a prostitute. This child was not Hosea's. God is saying Israel was not his people because they served other gods. They were unfaithful to the one true God. And when God, or sorry, when Gomer gave birth to a daughter, the Lord tells Hosea in Hosea 1 verse 6, and God said to him, call her name Lo-Ruhamah, for I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. No more mercy because of their sins and their transgressions. But then later God says in Hosea 1 verse 10, Yet, and it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, there it shall be said to them, You are the sons of the living God. And Hosea 2 verse 23, And I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. And then I will say to those who are not my people, You are my people. And they shall say, You are my God. There was a time when you were not useful to God. A time when you were unfaithful and living in sin. When you served the idols of this world. But through the preaching of the gospel and the work of the Spirit, He has turned you, He has drawn you to the Lord and saved you. Jesus Christ, having bought you with the, blood of his, with the price of His blood, made the people of God belonging to God. There is forgiveness with Him. There is grace with God through Jesus Christ. And as He showed grace to Israel, delivering them from slavery in Egypt because He loved them, so He delivers you from your sin because of His love for you. His love in Christ Jesus. Do you know this love? That God chose you despite your wayward life, despite your slavery to sin, despite your rebellious idolatry serving sin instead of the living God. No, there's never anything in us that would make God set His love upon us. But God has set His love upon you and called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, Peter says, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. 
Can you testify to that? And then we have to ask, why? Why me? Peter says, so that you may proclaim the praises of Him who loved you, who has taken you as His own special people, when you certainly did not deserve it, when you certainly did not earn it. Oh, how His people then praise Him knowing that they don't deserve any of it, knowing that it was not them who chose God but that God chose them and plucked them as a firebrand out of the fire, rescuing them from sin when they're dead in trespasses and sins. And it makes us see our purpose a little in this life. Peter says, so that you may proclaim his praises. Is this the purpose of your life? Is this what flows out of your heart? You say, maybe what does it mean? Well, to proclaim means simply to announce or declare to others. And the praises here he speaks of are, are the excellent virtues of God. Psalm 78 verse 4 says, We will not hide them from our children, telling the generations to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He has done. The Psalms proclaim the praises of God. Psalm 96 is another example. Sing to the Lord, bless His name, proclaim the good news of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His wonders among the people. Now this is evangelism, speaking of who God is and the works that He has done. It speaks of God's praiseworthy deeds and, and His honor, His power, His glory, His wisdom, His faithfulness, His mercy, His love, and His holiness. Israel did that by telling what God had done for them. That's what the whole Old Testament is about, declaring the praises of God. How He delivered them from Egypt and slavery. How He provided for them in the wilderness, giving them water out of the rock, food from heaven. How He drove out the enemy before them, enemies much stronger than themselves. How He gave them their own land. How He took them to be His own special people. And now the Lord also drives out enemies out of your heart, out of your land. Enemies much stronger than you are. Enemies of sin. Little by little. We also are to proclaim His praises, being witnesses and testifying how God has saved us from this slavery to sin. How He took us out of this darkness and made us children of light. That God is so merciful that we, He would save even such a one as I am, only because of Jesus Christ, who laid down his own life for our sin, and who rose again from the dead, showing that God's justice has been satisfied, showing that the sin that has been paid in full, and that in him there is full salvation and deliverance, that in him the mercy of God is poured out for unworthy, hell-worthy sinners, that for you and me there is hope and there is salvation because of Jesus Christ. And how do we begin to proclaim these praises then of God who showed this mercy to us? Well, the first way has already been shown to us a few times this afternoon. We see again the contrast between verse 8 and 9. 
Verse 8 shows those who stumble at the Word, not believing Christ, but rejecting Him. They were disobedient to the Word. But verse 7 says, You believe. You who believe, He is precious. The chosen cornerstone. And verse 9, God's people are those who believe in Christ as your only hope of salvation. And instead of disobedience, there is an obedient heart. God's law is written on your heart. Jeremiah 24 says, Then I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. And again, Deuteronomy 7, verse 11, Therefore you shall keep the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which I commanded you today to observe them. Exodus 19, verse 4, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, and keep my covenant. Then you shall be my spe- a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He calls us to obedience. And yet that full obedience is found only in Christ. And that's why we must depend entirely on Christ. But it is in Christ where he turns us and enables us with the Spirit to begin to obey. To walk in that obedience. That our greatest desire of our heart is to live for Him who saved us from sin and to flee from all sorts of sin and to stick as close as possible to His law, His moral law that He has given. And then we will also begin to declare the works of God to others. In Acts 8 verse 4, the scattered Christians went everywhere. It says preaching the gospel. And that word really means sharing, spreading the gospel, sharing it, speaking of it to others, witnessing to others of what the Lord has done in their, in their lives. Let your light so shine before men. It begins in the home teaching the little children the works of God as the Israelites did. It's in the churches here teaching the children and the preaching in the Sunday schools. And it's telling the nations in the neighborhood and around the world about who God is. We praise Him because you once lived aimlessly in our sinful conduct, as Peter said in chapter 1, verse 18. When we did the works of darkness, under the power of darkness, but God called you into His kingdom of light. And now you are a light in this world to proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. He says, you are His chosen people. And if that is the case for you this afternoon, then this will also be true, that you will proclaim His praises to the ends of the earth. And if you are not His yet, then you cannot truly praise Him, but then you can seek Him for sure, because the same God lives to give mercy, to give forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the one who, 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 who lived in perfect obedience and who laid down his life for sinners, those who call upon him now shall find forgiveness and be saved. You are his chosen people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but now are the people of God. 
who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Amen.